Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Now, here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the Power Cat Questions podcast. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Ryan Gills Gilbert right here in the Cats and Dogs studio. The dogs are on hand. They're ready to do this show. We attempted to put this in video form. It did not work. It didn't work. One second delay. It did not work. It works. It didn't but... work to fit the standards. That's valid. I mean, that's valid. I don't know. Uh, maybe our listeners like audio not matching up with lips. Uh, I don't know maybe. that anyone actually likes that, but um, we'll figure it out. It's going to take a camera investment I'm not currently prepared to do, but we'll get it. We'll get it. It all has to run through the same system. Anyhow, we're sponsored by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Make sure you stop in and see Kevin, all the mics, and everyone else that are there. I stopped in on... Uh, New Year's Day, said hi to the gang and took home some complimentary champagne and orange juice. It was complimentary with full payment for the price. Full payment? Full, full payment, and then they give it to you, and you can take it out. I think that's what complimentary means. It was so crowded. Get to the fridge. Um, it, people love it because of the service and selection, and uh, they take care of you. They just do. The Fridge Wholesale Liquor at the corner of this and that in the town in which we live. This is the Questions Podcast, the podcast in which our VIP subscribers at Go Cat get to ask the questions. It's been posed as a suggestion that one half be from Wabash and the other half be live from YouTube. Like we do this live in the future. I'm not sure how I feel about it. We charge them super chats. There we go. The super chat. <laughs> if you want to pay me, you could be on the show. Let's get going with your questions, Wabash Station. Football in the first half. So Ryan Gills, Gilbert will do the reading, the asking, the the, mess, the messing up. Yes. From Get Out More Cat, does the imminent hiring of Matt Wells light a fire under your butts? Uh, no. I mean, I'm I'm happy about it. I just did a daily delivery on it. I I think it's a good choice. I think it. Um, he'll be a really veteran coach to add into the mix who still likes to recruit. That's an important ingredient. I, I, I see staffs that get too old and they kind of lose some of their recruiting push. 
but I, I don't think there'll be any drop off from Colin in that area. And um, he actually recruits some pretty good areas for Kansas State. We'll see. I, you know, again, it's not final. Maybe it is as this gets released as we record this on Wednesday, but it's it's getting there. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it lights a fire under my butt, but I'm always a big fan of a coordinator that has head coaching experience. I don't think that his time at Texas Tech went particularly well. I think it was cut a little unfairly short. I think he probably should have gotten a little bit more time, but I don't think he's a bad coach. I think he's a great fit. You know, he fits that quarterback room. He fits being an offensive coordinator, being a play caller. I think it's a good fit. I think it's it's a good hire. I would agree. Gills, do you have thoughts on this? About Matt well, Wells. You're a big Matt Wells fan from way I've back. always loved Matt yeah. Wells since the day mm-hmm. I was born. But yeah. somewhere along the way, right, things changed with Riley. Now, do you guys think that was before or after the, you know, subpar performance in the bowl game? I think it was before, guys. I okay. do, too. I mean, you have to replace a quarterback coach. Right. And I don't know how many quarterback coaches are, you know, you got to look at Connor Riley being an on-field guy. Then his transition up to the booth, you know, not being a natural play caller, so to speak. I think that there was going to be that issue. And I think that, you know, before the bowl game, I think that that was evident. I think he really needed to have a home run game in the Pop-Tarts Bowl for him to get the job out right. I think that going in, you know, it was it was a good test run. And especially just considering the way bowl games are now. There's a lot of opt-outs. It's a lot more forward-looking towards the next season than it is a celebration of the last season. You know, you're looking towards towards the future. It was an audition for him. It was an audition for a lot of players, you know, yeah. both sides of the ball. So, you know, it's – I think going into it, I think you knew that, hey, there's a good chance that whoever your quarterback coach is, you're probably going to be able to find a decent, at the very least, co-offensive coordinator. Right. Uh, I – I think it's going to come back to the fact that Connor Riley doesn't want to be off the sideline. I mean, you know, and we had Nick Lecky on the Fitzcaster in the game, and he goes, yeah, your offensive line coach has got to be on the field with these guys. So it makes it an interesting situation. Do you let him call the plays from there with Matt Wells up? I think Connor knows darn well he's going to get a title and a raise and have plenty of input on game planning, which he always did, but now in an official way. And someone else, likely Matt Wells, will be in the press box making the actual play calls. I, I think that probably was realized during bowl prep that I, I'm going to hate not being with my dudes. And uh, I think this is a logical way for it to play out. I, Connor Riley wants to advance in his career. Everyone does. And he doesn't want to leave. So, I mean, hopefully getting that raise and everything will make him likely to continue to put down roots from wade ram what is the fate of connor riley if uh, in this does this lay the groundwork for his departure there we go no i don't think so i think that's what i i don't think he's this is going to be go back to your old job loser this is going to be here's your new title here's your new pay um co-coordinators are all over college football they were all over the place when Bill Snyder was at K-State. And honestly, there's some emptiness to some of it and some reality to other parts of it. You know, we tend to think of coordinators of what do you do on game day? 
that's that's your responsibility. But so much is put into the coordinator job leading up to game day. There's a lot more than being the one to call plays and to lay out the game plan. Uh, and, and that laying out the game plan has always been done by committee at Kansas State. Um, and I think that will continue, but I think Connor will rise the level of having, you know, final decisions to be made with Matt Wells. Again, not official, and we don't know the titles, but hopefully we'll find out soon. I think that if you look at, you know, like what we just said, you know, Connor, you know, he wants to be on the sidelines, but also if he wants to be an offensive coordinator, I think that eventually you are going to go up to the booth. So I feel like he may be hitting a wall here of, well, you know, if my career goals are to move up, to be a coordinator, to be a head coach, you know, what do I need to do and how do I grow? But, you know, like we said, offensive line coach, want to be on the sideline. You know, I think he's going to have to eventually evolve and get past that a little bit. And I don't know if that means coaching a different position, which I don't know if he's, I don't want to say he's not capable of doing it, but he's such a great fit as an offensive line coach. Mm -hmm, I think that, you know, him becoming a coordinator, whether it's at K-State, whether it's somewhere else, or even a head coach, you know, there's going to be some sort of process here that he needs to go through if he wants to keep moving up in his career. And, you know, I don't want to say he doesn't want to do that, but he's currently, well, currently he's the second highest paid coach, assistant coach on on the staff. He's probably going to be similar in pay to Matt Wells when he arrives. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not, he doesn't have a bad job. I don't think that Connor Riley is going to be unhappy getting paid what he's getting paid to coach the offensive line at K State. But if he wants to move on and have a new challenge, I mean, it's something he's got to think about. He's going to probably be in the booth if he ever takes an offensive coordinator job. And maybe that means not coaching the offensive line. That's a good point. Um, I don't see him wanting to do that. I'll, I'll just say this about Connor Riley. Um, I don't know if he's a coordinator. As an offensive line coach, you know, some of the great <clears throat> play callers in football history are offensive line coaches. Andy Reid comes to mind. But um, it's entirely possible that's just not in his skill set. And that's okay. I think Connor Riley's a head coach, though. I think he gets the bigger picture and all of that. Uh, I think he's a guy that could move off this Kansas State staff and end up a head coach somewhere after becoming the co-coordinator. Um, you know, a Colorado State, something like that. I, um, I, I'm not sure, uh, but I, I, I think the bringing in a Matt Wells um, adds some needed, maybe maturity into that room. Uh, that you know, been there, seen a lot. And it's, he's removed from calling plays for, for a number of years, but uh, I think it's a skill that if you have it, you have it, even though the game has evolved since the last time he called plays. Any concerns with Kleiman just bringing in another one of his buddies? Because yeah. you know, he's been outspoken about their relationship. How oh, close yeah. they are. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, because we saw it devolve into that under Coach Snyder. Got an opening here. Here's this guy that, I've known for 40 years, and the staff kept getting older and older. So, yeah, I I think that needs to be something they need to be aware of, make sure that they're still trying to bring in some fresh ideas and outsiders to the program. But um, I don't really see any departures from the staff in the near future. 
unless they have that major breakthrough and someone's hired as a head coach. I mean, Matt Wells comes in with Avery Johnson and they have a huge season. Matt Wells could be a head coach next in 25. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I mean, this, this could be the rehab assignment. Everyone goes, oh, he's still got it. He's still got it. Or, you know, maybe Matt Wells. Again, let's be really honest about this. K-State doesn't pay coordinators what a lot of elite power five not even blue blood programs, some programs below that level, like a Michigan State. We saw that with Scotty Hazleton, who maybe gets plucked out of here after a year. But it's a good fit to have a mature coach working with Avery. I, I like it a lot. And back to just, you know, bringing in a buddy, to Kleiman's credit, he's shown his ability to let somebody go, like Messingham, if if things aren't going well. So I, I'm not. I, it's not a huge issue, but I think it's something to bring up. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. But I also think the coaching community is very small. It's very tight-knit. I think it's really hard for somebody to hire either somebody you don't know because you don't know them, or two, hire somebody that you know. Well, I don't know what I'm – I don't I – don't, I don't remember how I was going to end that. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like it's hard to hire somebody that you truly do not know. I think that everybody has a relationship with pretty much everybody. Or at the very least, you are good friends with somebody who can back up, hey – they're a good coach. They're going to bring the skills you need. You know, I think that it, it's a small group of people. Well, everybody you, knows everybody. You're, you're right. You you rely on your buddies. There's no doubt about it. You've got to rely on your buddies, <clears throat> those you trust, your inner circle. But doesn't mean you have to hire them. And, you know, maybe you're talking to them about, uh, yeah, this guy's ready to make the jump up to power five or whatever. So, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure what the timetable is here, so. Do we know the coach that the the three three five who that was? Is that still a secret? It's got it sure sounded like Dave Doran. That's exactly what I was yeah, thinking a, through yeah. the whole bull prep. Like, oh yeah, they're the defenses of we've we've camped with them, we've done all this stuff, and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Maybe sure sounded like yep. might have been the guy. <laughs> Which is a little surprising. I didn't know they had a relationship. I didn't know that was oh. but it's like me and you, Fitz. Nobody knows we have a relationship. Well, we, we don't are. like each other. Yeah, I know. It's different. A relationship is usually about liking each other. Mutually. Jerk. From STZ318, will K-State make a college football playoff appearance during Avery during the Avery Johnson era? I, I would think so. I mean, if you win the conference, you're certainly in there. Um, you make the conference championship game and lose two games throughout the whole year? I saw this projection for next year where they had put conference champions and then earned and then all SEC and Big Ten teams. Folks, that's not the way that's going to work. It's not. You're going to – there's no way an 8-4 and four SEC team is going to get in over a 10-2 and two Big 12 or ACC team. It's just not. Uh, we've seen from the playoff this year that um, they shoehorned in an SEC team and it lost. And – now we don't have one in the championship game. I'm going to come back to this. The gap isn't as dramatic as what we think. A lot of it's psychological. But all of these programs do have elite NFL-level athletes. And and that's really where K-State needs to return to. You go back to 98, that team was loaded with guys that played the NFL. And, and so that's the next progression in this for Kansas State. And um, I, I, they can get there. They, that talent's available to them. It doesn't have to be five-star guys. Look at Avery. Uh, look at Ben Sennett. But it, once they get that kind of convergence of talent, 
Um, they're going to be able to compete at a high level. They'll get into that playoff. They'll beat someone. Um, but, yeah, in this new setup, you win the conference you're in. It's going to be challenging. But, um, yeah, they're going to get in the playoff. Yeah. I think now we got to think, does it happen in the next two years, three years, if Avery stays for a fourth year? I still think yes. But it's kind of a short – I mean, if you think about it, he's a sophomore next year, a junior in 2025. That's not a lot of time. That's less than 24 months that we're talking about K-State in the college football playoff. It's here. If Avery sticks around through his senior year, I'll be honest here. I, I think why they didn't worry about the red shirt, which they burned ridiculously this season yes. by barely playing him in the fifth game, just mismanagement. But I, I don't think there's four years in Avery Johnson. Right. I mean – if he's as good as everyone says, <clears throat> he'll be gone. If he's not, I I think that'll be fine. I mean, he'll he'll be good. Or he gets injured and he's gone. So I'm not worried about it now, but come three years and he he wishes he could stay, I think everyone will kick themselves. But I don't see a formula for that. If K State doesn't make the playoff with Johnson, that's a huge failure because A, either Johnson doesn't, you know, work out or B, you put all your eggs in that one basket for Johnson, and then that doesn't work out. And so to not be the 12th best team in the country by the time he's done at Kansas State, there's really no excuse if, if K-State isn't there, in my opinion. I agree. Totally. Last question of the first half. Very exciting. From the dot two is interest. Zach, is that, is that highlighted? You highlighted what? the eye in that question. There's nothing highlighted. That's definitely highlighted. There's nothing the, wrong. The eyes highlighted. You're Anyways, crazy. My God. is interest from schools like USC and Ohio State improving Will Howard's NFL draft stock? Oh, I don't think that's related at all. Um, am I a little stunned it's dragged on to this point? Yeah, because he had a lot of interest. But it sounds like USC's closed. They had a great performance in the bowl game by their quarterback. And Lincoln Riley made it sound like they don't have to bring anyone in now. I got my guy. Okay, Lincoln. Um, and and maybe the entire Will Howard USC thing was to sort out his quarterback room. There's there's so much roster management that's going into the transfer portal right now. You can get guys in there to clear room. You can use the portal as motivation. And now as the portal closes here this week, I think, um, and that's only closing to people coming in. Right. You can still come out of the portal. That's why I think we've seen this pause and portal announcements. Because honestly, the coaches don't want to announce I'm bringing in this stud quarterback, receiver, left tackle, whatever it is at this point, because they're afraid their current players will hit the portal. It's all part of a chess game. Uh, and I think we'll find out soon on Will. I, I truly believe Will's holding off for a senior bull bid. Like, he, I think he's an alternate at quarterback. And. That's a game of chicken he's playing with his career. I mean, what if he doesn't get in and then he's, it's time to go pick a school? And you're like, oh, all my doors closed. So uh, we'll see. But, I I mean, there's still talk about Ohio State and other major programs, and we'll find out where he ends up. I think he needs another year, and I think a year in another system could get him over the hump. Will still can redshirt. Still has redshirt. And a COVID year. Jesus, that's right. 
So. I just, I mean, <laughs> it, it's about what he does on the field, right? Like you look at Josh Allen or Zach Wilson, guys that didn't go to big colleges, they still were high draft picks. And then, of course, there's people from Alabama, Ohio State every year that get drafted high as well. So, I mean, it doesn't matter where you're playing, in my opinion. If you're playing well, if you give enough on tape for those NFL scouts to to want to take a chance on you, then you'll get drafted high or or drafted, you know, at all. Maybe not high, but he'll get drafted if he shows that he's capable. It doesn't matter where he's playing. Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant, and he, yeah. he I don't think he's currently – a favorite for being the MVP, but he's he was he was my <laughs> extremely he was extremely short odds on becoming the MVP. So if if Brock Purdy from Iowa State can get drafted last and become a starter, a a bona fide starter, a top ten quarterback in the league, I'm not saying that Will Howard's going to be a top ten quarterback in the league, but if you've proven this much so far. I don't know if there's anywhere you can go to improve your draft stock. I mean, if you get drafted, I mean, that's that's really all that matters. It doesn't matter what round you're in. If you were on an NFL roster as a draft pick, you know, you, you can fight for a job. Granted, it matters what team you're on. You know, if you don't want to get drafted by the Chiefs right now, you don't want to get drafted by Miami or Houston. But if you can find a good spot, and try earning yourself a job, a shot at the job, you know, there's a chance there. You know, I hadn't thought about that. First of all, let me make another comparison about where you come from. Um, how about Jordan Love from Utah State, where Matt Wells yeah. was his coach? Yep. Um, hadn't really thought about that. Maybe Will's looking at Brock Purdy, thinking, that's a good comp for me. And I don't think it's a bad comp. Right. Although I think Will in college made better decisions, typically where to put the ball. Um. I'm stunned by Brock Purdy's emergence to the NFL. I honestly, you know, he's got great weapons around him, but again, you, it, there, that step from the NFL, from college to the NFL is so different. It's not just a step up in competition. The game's different. And and some guys might be more suited for the pro game over the college game. So I, th- I think Will's trying to balance it all out, but I'm, I know this. He can help someone win some football games at the college level. So that's it for the first half of the Pyrocat Questions Podcast, sponsored by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Oh, boy. Everything's going well. I just feel like something's going to go wrong, Zach. Like the computer will shut down. The soundboard will shut down. Am I putting bad mojo into Let's the Let's not air? jinx it. Let's not jinx it. Okay, we'll be back. I hope. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Welcome back to the Power Cat Questions Podcast. Fitz, Gil, Zach, right here in the Cats and Dogs studio. And we're sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. You, you, you need to come to town on Saturday. I mean, K-State kicks off, excuse me, tips off Big 12 play with UCF. K-State's been designated as UCF's, you know, welcome wagon to the conference. They got a, 
Bring them in for football with their first ever Big 12 game. Now it's happening with basketball. I don't know. I mean, maybe they know I was born in Florida and they want to send the team here. Do you think that's the science behind it, Zach? Could you imagine if we had to go back to Orlando this week? <laughs> I'm not sure we would. <laughs> not Just at these prices. Strand us. Yeah. <laughs> K-State UCF, and and when you're in town, that game tips at 5. Come on in a little bit early. Stop by the fridge. You can stop by after the game and and load up on some of those exclusive fridge delights from the fridge liquor fields picked by the many mics every morning to put on the shelves. Uh, On to the second half here. We're done with football. We're done. Donzola, as they say in Italy. Um, and now we're going to move on to basketball. I'm taking you over for your questions, Wabash Station. It's Zachy Pooh. Lovely. From Kevin316, how do you grade the team after non conference play? Talking basketball. C, C. Plus. I mean, I noticed Jerome Tang snuck something in there on his post game radio podcast. Um, and I, since I'm writing these post-game analysis pieces, it's easy just to grab a couple quotes off that podcast or soft its radio shows for that so that I I can be done before his actual press conference starts. He mentioned going nine and nine now that they're ten and three. Nine and nine in the conference will get him in the NCAA tournament. That's not something he would have ever said about last year's mm-hmm. team. And I think the reality is we're all seeing it and they they admit it too now. They're missing two key pieces from this team that they were counting on. You know, Naquan Tomlin, that whole mess, and he's at Memphis now, putting up double-doubles, apparently. And Quez Glover was supposed to be back for Tuesday's game and re-injured that knee that he just had rehabbed. It's bad situation, but, you know, maybe he'll be back for next year with the medical hardship. But this team is far short of what he everyone expected it to be just in talent level, and they're having to lean on some guys that honestly aren't ready to carry the load, uh, but they got to get off a good start in Big 12 play. Just have to to get to nine and nine. You gotta you gotta win this one. And what Zach West Virginia next? Yes, West, West Virginia. Virginia. Next week. It's, those are two winnable games. You gotta go win them. K State's been average. You know, I would give them a C, maybe a C plus, if we want to be really optimistic because this team really has shown some good things. You know, wins over Villanova and Providence are going to go a long way. You know, those are very impressive games. K State played really well against Miami in the second half. Wichita State was a solid win. You can find, you know, LSU, especially given everything that happened off the court leading up to that game with Naquan Tomlin, they've shown some positive signs, but the lows have also been really low. Of course, most recently um, against Chico State, as Fitz would say. Chico. There you go. Chicago. So they've they've had ups and downs. By and large, though, they do have to get better. They need to find another gear here in Big 12 play. I think what you're holding on to is the fact that Kansas State did find that gear last year and was able to rattle off, I think, four or five wins to start off Big 12 play. And that was sort of the the moment where we all realized, okay, Jerome Tang, you know, he's for real, but he's, he's for real in winning these games in his first season. And so I'm acknowledging the fact that K-State has to be better. You know, they this brand of basketball is not going to win them more than a game in the NCAA tournament. However, the optimist in me is saying that K-State you know, can get better because they showed last year that they could, but that was also with superstars on the team. You know, what, what's the identity of this team guys? You know, last year it was Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson scoring. Like that was the superstar, you know, duo. That's what, that's what the identity was right now. They don't have that. They, 
they aren't good at shooting three-pointers. Mm-hmm. You know, as good as Will McNair's been down low, Gasson's shown some flashes. They're not strong enough in the paint to just bully guys down low. What's the identity of this team? And they need to find that here pretty soon. Yeah, here's the thing. You talk about Keontae and Marquise. I think Jerome Tang recognized early last season that Marquise was a guy. Uh, so what's the difference between this team and, and last year's team? It's not just Marquise. It's his ability to break down defenses, whether it's because he can shoot it from 30 or because he gets into the lane and is an effective passer. One point in the game last night on, on Tuesday night that really struck out to me. Tyler Perry is up at the point. They do some switching on defense or something. He has a open lane to the basket and he hesitated and he took it into the lane once they had adjusted marquise is gone i mean he a because he has that mental you know yeah, he wants he's, been a point B, guard. he's faster too you could see tyler not being a natural point guard processing oh should i go in there should i go he just he does he's not an effective score in the lane he's a great uh, outside shooter not a great one we haven't seen that but a a confident one. That's where he wants to make his his living is shooting those threes. But it, as a point guard, if if you can't get into the lane and break down defenses, you're going to have a harder time finding your threes. You get you got to make a reason for the defense to back off you. And and I think that's the biggest thing is they were hoping from Quez Glover to get more of a mm-hmm. instinctive point guard play up there um, from a tenacious Desi Sills type of kid, but they didn't. Now that's not going to happen. They got to go with this. I don't know what the course of action is. And as much as I like Day-Day Ames, he's just not ready for this. So it's Tyler Perry, a non-true point guard, playing point guard from here on out. Yeah, Day-Day Ames, is a, that's a really good point because early on in the season he was very promising. You know, okay, no Quez Glover, that's fine. Day-Day can, can fill in and be that guy. But, I mean, on Tuesday against Chicago State, he was you know non-existent in that game. He's been trending sort of down in recent games. Uh, for this team overall, he scored two points against Chicago State, zero against Wichita State, four against Nebraska, two against LSU. That's his last four games. I mean, for freshmen to hit a wall this early, and I'm not trying to pick on Ames because this team, you know, like we said, is, is struggling overall. But Ames is, is hitting that wall a little bit earlier than we would have liked to have seen it. At the end of the day, they have to figure out how this team can translate what Jerome Tang continues to see in practice with shooting to the court. It's now just become purely mental. Because I was about ready to ask him last night, well, is this shooting happening in the ice center? And it's like he read my mind because he said, and we're doing this in the drills in Bramlage too. That's hard to explain how a team can be blowing the lid off of shooting parameters in some of his drills and yet get to games and they're lousy three-point shooters as a collective group. Once in a while, someone heats up and it makes everything so much better. If Arthur Kaluma goes for three or four or... Um, I don't even know that Tyler Perry's had a good game shooting the three. I'd have to. Has he gone fifty full forty full, minutes? Yeah, full no. game. No <laughs> second half, final <laughs> ten minutes. Of course, <laughs> final one second. Sure, <laughs> it's, it's it's maddening, yeah. and I can't imagine how Jerome Tang's so frustrated seeing this same set of players shoot it so well in mm-hmm. practice and get into a game and blah blah all over themselves. Next. Maybe this is a chance for Dorian Finister to. I mean, he's played, I think, nine minutes against Wichita State. He had double-digit minutes against Chicago State. Maybe, 
you know, now he's getting more comfortable. He was more of a role player these last couple of games, but now if he's more comfortable, he's going to take those shots. We didn't see RJ Jones last couple of games. You know, he's a sharpshooter. Can he find that next gear? So maybe K-State just needs some of those guys that aren't getting many minutes right now or maybe don't have that confidence to start taking those shots, and, and who knows, maybe they can go in. Before we move on, Gills, what would you take out of Coach Stang's answer to your question about RJ mm-hmm. and Jarrell Colbert? Well, to be honest with you, it was more about RJ because I think we all we all know that Colbert's not there, right? Like mm-hmm. We can all agree on that. So I was really just yep. wanting to know about RJ. Yeah, but he answered mature. Yes. That's what they so need that's to what, do. Yeah, and with, with, with specifics to RJ, it doesn't sound like it's anything off the court. Um, you know, he's, I don't think he's in the doghouse or anything like that. So it sounds like it's an on-court maturity thing. And so I think you look back to, to Arthur Kaluma earlier in the year when Tang was asked about him. Um, buy-in. That was his answer. Buy-in. And so we all were left kind of, uh, you know, confused, you know, puzzled. What does this mean? Now, obviously, whatever that message was, it resonated with Kaluma. He's gotten a lot better especially since that moment he's just he's taken off and he's been a difference maker for this team and so you're hoping that that can happen with Jones um but I you know I don't think anybody really knows right now what that even means um for RJ but I don't think he's in the doghouse I I, I can tell you that I took it to be um both on and off court like maybe he didn't take care of his business over the holidays and you know, took days off. I don't, but he I don't, also didn't. I don't think he played against uh, Wichita State. That's what I mean, though. So I mean, that was maybe, before the holidays, right? But well, I mean, post classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there was something going on there. Maybe maybe there's an academic issue. Um, I'm not sure. But um, last thing they need is to be shorthanded even more. I mean, they're down to 11 on their scholarship totals. 11. In this day and age, it's. If you got a couple guys that aren't ready to play, which they do, well, you, you run out of bodies real fast. Mm. My best guess would be RJ needs to calm down, play slower, not take too, you know, not take ill-advised shots, things of that nature. Mature and be a smarter player. That'd be my best guess. Okay, very good. From Adam K sixty three, does it seem that the team plays to the level of their competition too much? Uh, to a degree. Um, I think this team just plays at a lower level sometimes. They didn't play to Nebraska's level. Nebraska was bad, and they didn't even achieve that. Or I don't want to say bad. They were not great. And Nebraska they didn't win the game. K-State yeah. lost it. Yeah, I mean, K-State was just lethargic. They didn't rise to that level. Uh, Nebraska played harder. But, yeah, there's there's a sense of that. I You know, Villanova was a really good team. They, played, they went toe-to-toe with them. Wichita State was played pretty well that night in T-Mobile, and they did enough to win. Maybe, maybe there is a lot of truth to that. If that's true, Saturday's game might be really awful to watch because I don't think UCF's very good. What are you doing over there, man? Sorry, readjusting my legs. I got, I got, you got long a peg legs. Leg? I'm sorry, you, you I'm got tall. A, you got. You wouldn't know. Okay. Mm. Was that it? That I don't know it? if K State. Um, I don't know what we're doing here. Plays to the level of the atmosphere, maybe. I mean, Villanova was the liveliest Bramlage we've seen uh-huh. all year. K-State came to play. Wichita State and Kansas City, 18,000 fans in Sprint, in, in Sprint Center. I'm going to say it, okay? Oh, in Sprint it. Center. We're going to get soon. K-State played great. I mean, the Bahamas was a lot of fun. There were like 12 people in that gym, but it was it was rocking, right? K-State, I mean, I, they, they played slow against Miami to start that game, but found its rhythm and, and clawed their way back. And so 
I think probably environment might be more of the question here rather than competition. So you're saying that the fans need to show up to give K-State a chance of winning. That The atmosphere Tuesday against Chicago State was – there was no energy there. Second half, it you know, the alley started to come a little bit. Yeah. But, like, first half was just dead. And I think that played a dirt. I mean, people feed off of energy. Yeah. Players feed off of that. Fans feed off of it. And it just it's a snowball effect. And when you don't have uh, energy, you know, I think K-State plays poorly. Boy, uh, I – I I didn't have energy to cover the game from press row, which doesn't include cheering, just includes watching. I didn't have energy to do that. The kids next to us had a lot of energy. <clears throat> oh my god! <laughs> Did you hear that down there, Zach? Or no? No, I don't oh, pay attention good. to you guys. We we they've moved the media next to the section where they put all the kids' teams. Some kid screamed <laughs> at some point, and I just looked at him like, "What was that?" Oh my gosh! It's nice. I'm an old grumpy man. Next question. From KSU Burke 54. Burke. Call your shot on K-State's conference basketball <clears throat> record. Eight and ten. Take the over. I'll go nine and nine. Ten and eight, you know, eleven and seven if they can hit their ceiling and find that, that second, third mm-hmm. gear. Nine and nine. I okay. think they will go nine and nine. That I agree with Coach Tang. That gets them in the tournament. Eight and ten probably put you on the bubble, but again, it, uh, there's a who'd you beat? There's not going to be a bad loss in this conference, I don't think. Well, I think maybe UCF would be, mm-hmm. but uh, you know who'd you beat? Did you beat Kansas and Lawrence? Well, that's that's about as big as it comes. You win at Houston, well, that's pretty big. So some of it will be who they beat, but um, I, I'm I'm afraid this is a 500 or below team in the conference. I just do. I, I don't like what I'm seeing right now. And they could very well start 2-0, like we've talked mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Just going through the net rankings right now, there's not a there's not a lot of teams that have two quadrant run wins, and K-State has that right now. So that's, let alone the fact that you're playing in the Big 12, you're going to get a ton of those just playing in that league, even if the team you play maybe isn't even that good. The metrics just love the Big 12. And so you already have two of those heading into conference play. I mean, obviously, the top, top, top teams have three and four. But, like, once there's that little drop-off, you know, where K-State wants to be at that 8-9, 10-seed line come March Madness time, um, I think they're going to be in a good spot. But I'll, I'll still say I think 9-9 nine and nine really is the best prediction for this team. Right now, they're average. Of course, they can get better. Uh, Big 12 is super tough, though. It's going to be hard to win games. And K-State's going to need uh, – they lost one home game last year, correct? I mean, they're going to need to win at home and have a good home court advantage because that's going to matter for this team that doesn't have the playmakers that it had last year. You know, you're going to have to have – I think Tang always mentions it's, what, 10 points playing at home is the advantage that it gives them. Now, maybe that's a little rich, but it, it can make a difference. K-State has to defend its home court, which they can do. They did it last year. Should we go down the schedule and – and see, who's coming in. and see who's see what you know we know the first couple games then they go to at texas tech i mean versus baylor and then versus oklahoma state we can pull up the schedule yeah. here shall i i've got it i got okay. it okay so you open ucf at home this saturday then you travel to west virginia and then to texas tech it's k-state two and one after that probably yeah hey if k-state's not two and one jerome tang is is dis- disappointed. Oh, yeah, for sure. Then next game is home against Baylor. Probably a loss. Baylor's the 18 team in the country. Uh, 
two and two. Then you get Oklahoma State at home. Probably Should. win. Got to win that one. Got to win, win that one. That's the type of games I'm talking about here. At Iowa State's the next game. It's probably a coin flip as well, but probably counted as a loss. You're probably three and three right there. Then you go at Houston, loss. Yeah. yeah. OU at home. They're better. It's one, it's one you need to win, but they're yeah. the 11 team in the country. Isn't that crazy? They're the 11 team in the country. BYU is 12. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know yeah. if we're gonna get to nine and nine here. That's a, that's what I'm saying, guys. Yeah. Some of the teams you think are wins for K State may not be based on performance this year. I Good mean, for Porter Mosier. And mm-hmm. reinventing that program. I don't follow Oklahoma that closely, but it, it felt like he was getting near the hot seat. Oh, yeah. And no doubt. he's turned it around. I mean, you got – I'm not going to go down the rest of the schedule, but you probably get another win at Oklahoma State. You're looking at four there. You probably beat TCU at five. West Virginia for your sixth win. Iowa State for your seventh win. You got to go out and find a couple wins somewhere. I'm with you. And they're, they're, it's tough. Yep. But – Anything can happen in the Big 12, and I think that K-State probably does win a couple games that they shouldn't win on paper. I think that 9-9 nine and nine is fairly attainable here. You guys have to factor in the Jerome Tang factor, though. Like, I, I, I'm not ready to write this team off and say that they're going to lose to teams that are better than them because last year... I'd have to go back and look at the betting lines for every game, but the amount of upsets that K-State had in Big 12 play, especially early on, right? Like, just because it looks right now that K-State's not going to be that good, I mean, you know, just trust your home tang, right? I think if there's one thing that we've learned from him is that, you know, we need to give him as media members or as fans, you know, time and patience because he's more often than not, he's found a solution for, a lot of the problems that he's been, you know, faced. Agreed. So real quick, I'm looking at ESPN's BPI. I'm sure you can use other metrics, but West Virginia's at the bottom. K-State plays them twice. So that's good. But uh, UCF, who we think might be the worst team, that's only once. Oklahoma State, um, twice. And then K-State is the third. So So five wins, (laughs) or five games below... K State. Well, UCF technically four, but okay, we can we can flip flop that one just for simplicity. All right. So, eh, I mean, could be worse. And when you're looking at bottom feeding, could be worse. Okay. Oh, I, I guess I am the one reading the questions. Yeah. Last question of the podcast from Wade Ram. Jeez, <laughs> oh, <laughs> Zach just died. I, I choked on my own air. Uh, update on Bramlage. What seems to be the timeline for a significant remodel? Five years? Ten years? Longer? Can we just start off by saying what Baylor did? That got that was oh, their yeah. first game in that arena two nights ago. It looks nice. It looks appropriate for them. Yep. I mean, it's what, eight, 9,000 seats? I, think I thought it was, it was like less. seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven? I mean, yeah. it's, it, it's steep angles. It gives you a good mm-hmm. view on the court. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that. I mean, certainly you, you need case it needs to be in the ten thousand range, I think. But I I think to get back to the question, I I think it's going to have to be five years. How they'll handle this, I don't know. I just don't understand how they'll handle it. 
but they're going to have to upgrade. There's so much wrong with that facility. It might be a home court advantage. You guys might love the, the game day environment. But from a game management um, and team management standpoint, it's crap. That the biggest thing that needs to happen is they need to connect the ice center to Bramlage. Those players have to go outside to come inside. They got to go upstairs to go outside to go down. Mm-hmm. Like there's no mid level there. They have to go all the way up outside, then to go all the way back down. I mean, so we're talking about tunneling and. I, I mean, know. they like if they keep punting this down the road, there is not going to be a Bramlage renovation. There's going to be a Bramlage knockdown and. I mean, they're going to have to do what KU football did. I truly think that that is the solution that needs to happen. I think they need to, you know, for one season, the final year they play in Bramlage, I think they should front load their conference games, make a deal with the conference, say we're going to play all nine conference games in January at home, and we're going to go on a road trip for, for February or whatever, so they can start, tear it down, and then the next season play an outdoor game at Bill Snyder Family Stadium, like Iowa did, like Nebraska Volleyball did, mm-hmm. do something like that, go tour Kansas, go play Wichita, go play T-Mobile, go play Tony's events, Tony's Pizza Event Center <laughs> for, for non-conference, for your conference games, do the same thing, play nine straight, build a little mini arena in the football indoor when it's not football season, play nine straight games there, and then you should have an arena by the next year. There's one problem with that mini arena idea. What is that? They don't have climate control in that building. That is true. I don't know. They're, a lot of bodies in there, though. Oh, Shouldn't yeah. make it make it nice. Yeah, in case they were to cold. play at the wreck, they would want to recruit Ryan Gilbert because that's a place where he's very comfortable putting the ball through the net. Anywhere else, though, tough luck. I mean, I feel like you could build a – even if you didn't use the indoor, you could build a bubble and just – put 5,000 stands in or something, you know, like one of those little indoor bubbles that they use for for football. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a whole nother but, topic. Yeah. Like what, with what Vegas did with F1, right? Like you can you can make shift to right. you know, stands pretty quickly. Yeah. You, you should be, if you can cover it and enclose it and appropriately climate control it, you can have a basketball arena. I'm glad that's... Gene Taylor's problem. And that's, honestly, yeah. that's a big problem. Because I, I, I'll i be blunt here. I think KU mismanaged their situation. Well, they didn't even really finalize. They, I don't know that they've still finalized. What if, what if the Chiefs said, no, no, we can't have you on our field? I mean, the Chiefs are trying to get through not only their own stuff, but they're trying to prepare for the World Cup in 2026, mm-hmm. which is not something to be taken lightly. Well, I don't know. I... It, it is a problem, and I think probably playing, uh, you know, some non-con games in the volleyball arena is what's yeah. going to have to happen. Not not ideal, but but they're going to have to do major renovations. And I'm with you, Zach. Maybe it'll come to the point where the renovations are so enormous that you basically have to start over. Like I feel like you're going to have to tear down Bramlage and put the new arena in its spot. Yeah. And I think you can you can salvage, when I say salvage, um, more like incorporate the Shamrock Zone into the new arena. Like you can, I think there's a way to figure it out, but I just, I don't see how 
Bramlage as it stands today, if they continue saying no, you know, we're going to keep, you know, delaying, you know, doing renovations on this building. I mean, the, the timeline of being able to say, yeah, we're going to keep this building and just make it nicer. I think the chances of that just become a lot more slim. Mm-hmm. It's like me with my I mean, iPhone. I'm waiting until I just get a brand new arena, a, you know, brand new one. Right. You don't like I have a cracked screen back here. I'm going to let that let that ride until I get the new one. I'm not going to renovate this any longer. Right. Yeah. The, the can has been pushed too far down the road. Is I that think the right now, you, no, you don't push a can. You kick, kick the can. It. I'm you sorry. I knew it. I was messing something I, up. I think, I think <laughs> at this point, Gills, um, you're waiting for that embedded iPhone that they just put into your skull. And then you That's can, coming. I'm yeah. sure of it. Oh, you know, and yeah, just in your head, click in your, your head, and and then you start talking. Make, the, the microchip. That's right. You just tell your own head. You just dial things with your brain. That's coming next year. You'll be fine. Yeah. The problem is your skull's so soft; it may not stay in place. Do we know how much Baylor's Arena costs them to build? No, I have no idea. I haven't done that kind of research on Bears basketball. I'm sure they probably don't have it public since they're a private institution. USA Today, two hundred and twelve million. Look, that's really not that bad. No, like in twenty twenty three for an arena. That, yeah, it's seven thousand seats. But let's say you wanted to build the same thing, but with ten thousand seats. Three. You mean you're you're probably not talking three hundred million? But even if you are, three hundred million dollars is not a horrible price tag on a basketball arena just saying especially if the renovations are going to be a hundred million well and if kansas sets a precedent that you can use taxpayer money i think k-state's going to be golden good point i'll get it done i'll just tell hey you gave money to them let's go let's go this is tourism that's it it? oh that was it that was kind of a (laughs) undramatic finish that's it for the Powercat Questions podcast. We tried to put this on video. It didn't work. It's probably a good thing you didn't have to look at Fitz's face, though. That's just cruel. He's mean to me. He's very mean to me. It's it's kind of gone from employee uh, employer relations to elder abuse. Um, but he does make delicious Pacifico beers. He knows how to pull a tap handle. I'll give him that. Thanks, Fridge. We love you. Thank you for listening to the Powercat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.